Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. There are a lot of things that I love about the summer. I love ice cream. I love uh, ice cream. I love going to Cold Stone. I love going to PNC Park and seeing the Pirates play. Uh, it's such a beautiful stadium. In fact, it was voted, I think, the best stadium to play in in the country by MLB players, which is pretty incredible. I love long days in the summertime. I love being able to go outside and enjoy uh, time with my kids or with my family, you know, enjoying the riverfronts. Summer just brings some incredible things. And you know, one of the things that I love the most about summer is water. I love getting wet on a hot day and spending time at the pool and just enjoying it. We get a pool pass every summer as a family, and we go to the pool probably three, four times a week. It's just great, and I love it. Well, how many of you love a good pool party? Let me see your hands. Love going to the pool or enjoying the water? It's a good time to do that. Well, I have good news because next Sunday, we're going to have a pool party right here at church. Yep, that's right. Right here at Encounter Church next Sunday, right here at the school on the outside patio, we're going to have a pool party. And that's because next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. And this might be a little bit different for you. Um, if you've maybe grown up in a background to where baptism um, you know, was maybe something you did as a child, and we're going to talk a lot about that kind of stuff today. But I'll tell you one thing. I just want to set the tone that baptism is something that should be a celebration. And while we're not all going to be getting wet next week, I encourage all of you to hear what God wants to say today. We're going to have fun. This is not going to be just another service at Encounter Church. It is baptism day, and we're going to give everybody an opportunity next week to take part in this incredible day of celebration. And I believe that this is going to be uh, an impactful day in both your life and your faith. Um, it's going to be awesome, and we're definitely going to celebrate. But first, before we get to next week, I wanted to give you some teaching about baptism. Um, and here's why. We are a new church, okay? We've only been around for about a year, and we haven't had a whole lot of opportunities to be able to kind of invest or to take time to do baptisms yet. We've kind of been figuring out how the building works and, and getting ourselves settled in. Um, we've had a few people ask us about baptism, and uh, this is sort of a new thing for us. But it's also a really big deal uh, for us, and it's important to us, and it's important to God. And so I wanted to take some time today just to, to share some teaching about it, some principles about baptism and what it means for all of us and why it's important. Uh, from the Bible so that we can exactly see what baptism is supposed to be about and why it's such a big deal to us. So if you would open your Bibles or turn on your tablets or your smartphones uh, to chapter 3 of Matthew. Matthew chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, pull them out. We're actually going to have the scriptures on the screen as well, and we're going to read out of Matthew 3 today. But first, some background. Okay, so many years before Jesus was born, um, which we kind of mark as AD zero, right? That's sort of the, the kind of the marking of when Jesus was born. And, uh, but before Jesus was born, actually before, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a blank space of about 400 years, okay? And during that 400-year time, there weren't really any prophets. It was sort of the dark time in history to where all of the Old Testament happened, where we know all of that, and then it stops, and then 400 years later, Jesus comes onto the scene. Well, during that time, um, people from all over the known world would come to the Palestine area, to the Israeli area, and would come and experience Jewish culture. And they would actually decide, many people were so attracted to the Jewish culture at the time, that they would want to convert to Judaism. 
So, and the reason for that was is that at the time, Judaism was actually one of the, it was the only monotheistic religion in the country or in the world at the time. What that means is that they worship one God. But all the other people groups in the world at that time had religions where they would worship multiple gods. And so people would come visiting the country to where the Jewish people lived. And during this 400-year period of time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, they would actually, many people would be attracted to the lifestyle and to the religion of the Jewish, of the Jewish faith. And so while they couldn't become Jewish by blood, they were able to become Jewish by, in the religion. And so over time, the Jewish people had to develop these customs of, in order to help people become Jewish. And so what would happen is that there was a, a list of requirements that people would have to go through in order to convert to the Jewish religion. One of them was circumcision. Circumcision is something that happens very commonly in our culture today, but for somebody who wanted to become a Jewish person in their religion at the time, they were adults. I mean, can you imagine guys having to drop your drawers and, you know, do what circumcision requires? Well, that was something that was required of them to become Jewish. And there were other things that they had to do as well, according to the customs, in order to kind of give up their, their Gentileness, which we'll talk about in a second, but to become Jewish. Well, one of the things that they had to do was a ceremonial washing. A ceremonial washing. And what this was was basically, if they said, I want to, to, to identify with the God of the Jewish people, and now I want to kind of say goodbye, I want to cleanse myself of my Gentileness. And you guys have heard me say this before. What is a Gentile? Well, if you've ever seen Harry Potter, Gentiles are muggles, okay? They are anybody who is not Jewish was considered a Gentile. So, so, in, our, so in this context, when they would have to be ceremonially washed, they were saying, I'm cleansing myself of my Gentileness, and I'm now taking on the identity of a Jewish custom and a Jewish person. I'm letting go of my sin. I'm letting go of my old way of life. I'm becoming new, and I'm now identifying with the God of the Jews. Now, initially, this ceremonial washing was personally done. Nobody would wash you. You would wash yourself. It was something that you would go through this process of washing yourself. Well, come along into AD 33, all right? So now here we are after all this period of time. We now, Jesus was born 33 years later. Something amazing and crazy happened. There's this guy named John the Baptist who showed up in the desert and then transformed the concept of the Jewish ceremonial washing. And we meet him in chapter 3. And so this is where we're going to pick up our story. Matthew 3, verses 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So this guy, out of nowhere, comes up and starts preaching in the desert. He had a passionate and intense message and it was a timely message. And so people would come from the cities out to the deserts to hear this man preaching. And they would listen. And he was saying, turn around. He was saying, turn around. Get your life right. Because God is about to do something new. And if you don't have a right relationship with God, you're going to miss it. That's what his message was. That's kind of the, the translation, a modern translation of repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's like, turn around. Get your life right because something new is coming. And if you don't have a right relationship with God, you could miss it. And he was telling them, that even though they were Jewish, that they were not good enough. That the Messiah was coming. The one who was promised throughout the Old Testament scriptures that who would come and who would not only be Jewish, but would take away the sin of their, of their life. Who would give them a way back to God that wasn't provided any other way. He was saying, he is coming. 
The Messiah was coming and he started to do something new. Matthew 3, verses 5 and 6, we continue. Then Jerusalem and the entire country of Judea, the whole place, and all of that region about the Jordan River were going out to John the Baptist. And they were baptized in, by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized. This is the first time we see the word baptized. John the Baptist started baptizing people. He would say to them, if you're ready to accept this message that I'm telling you, if you believe what I'm saying, come down to the water with me. And then he would baptize them. That's what he would do. The Greek word here is actually baptizo. Baptizo. B-A-P-T-I-Z-O. Baptizo. And it means this. It's used throughout the entire New Testament for the word baptism. It means to wash to soak, to dip, and to plunge. Interestingly enough, in Greek literature throughout, outside of the Old Testament, outside of the New Testament, outside of the Bible, in Greek literature, the same word baptizo actually is used to mean for people who have drowned. And it's also used for concepts of shipwrecks. Like when ships sink and go under the water, that's the word baptizo being used. And so when people saw that John the Baptist was doing something that they didn't have a word for, they didn't have the word baptism. All they thought of was ceremonially cleansing themselves and washing themselves. And no one had ever cleansed anybody before because they had to do it themselves. So now John is doing this for people, and John became John the washer. John the Baptist is now John the washman right? So that's kind of the concept. I think for a lot of us who've grown up hearing this Bible story about John the Baptist, we're like, what the heck? Why is he called that? And why is it even named baptism? Well, it's just because of the word baptizo. So they're basically saying what they saw John doing was he was saying, come and be cleansed of your old life. And now you can become something new, a new creation. And so he became John the washer, John the dunker, John the soaker, John the baptizer, John the baptizo. And it was how people declared their allegiance to his message. They said, I believe what you're saying is true. Wash me of what my old life and now raise me up to be a new person. And you know, I believe what John, what the Baptist was saying in his, when people were being baptized, was he was, they were saying, I'm ready to now go public with my belief in it. But one day something extraordinary happened. John was doing his thing. He was baptizing people. There were crowds everywhere. And then Jesus showed up. And John was so excited and elated because they were actually cousins. And we're not quite sure at what point John knew that Jesus was the Messiah or not. But in this moment, John says, behold, when he sees Jesus, he's doing his thing. Maybe he even accidentally leaves someone under the water for a couple seconds. And he goes, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's basically saying, there he is. There he is, the guy that I've been talking about for all this time. He's here. The Messiah is here. He's right over there. And Jesus walks up to John in the water and goes, hey, I want you to baptize me. Could you imagine that for a second? The Messiah, the Savior of the world, comes up and says, hey, I want you to baptize me. Well, initially, John has the same reaction that I think I would give. No way, Lord. Like, I want you to baptize me. I can't do this to you. And he initially argues with him and says, I shouldn't be doing this. But then Jesus convinces him and says, listen, this is all part of God's plan. Just trust me. So Jesus is baptized by John. He puts him in the water. He puts him under. And this is what the Bible tells us. We have, and he's plunged, he's plunged into water. And when we get, when he comes up, we get one of the most powerful revelations of who Jesus is 
that we have anywhere in the Bible. Verses 16 and 17, this is what it says. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, who with whom I am well pleased. Now in this one moment, every member of the Trinity appears at the baptism of Jesus. We have Jesus, God the Son, who's being baptized in the Jordan River. We have the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove coming down out of heaven and resting on Jesus' shoulders when he came out of the water. We have God the Father who in a loud, booming voice from heaven speaks and says, this is my son, this is my boy, and I am well pleased with him. This is a significant day because in many ways, it was the beginning, it signaled the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. This was the moment where Jesus, after 30 years of growing up and learning to be a carpenter and working and, and living his life, finally steps onto the scene and in this moment is declared by the God of heaven to this is my son, listen to him. And then baptism continued from there. So as Jesus would go from town to town claiming that he was the Messiah and doing miracles, and when people would believe, what they would do is they would take a step and his disciples would baptize people. So now John the Baptist had kind of faded out of the scene because he did his job and brought Jesus into the scene. And now when Jesus would go into towns and he would preach and they would do miracles, people would say, I believe that you are who you say you are. Baptism would take place from his disciples. They would baptize. And all of this ultimately led to Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. And then when we know the story, many of us know that when Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, he gave his disciples and every one of us instructions to follow until he returns. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 20 says this, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is Jesus talking. And he says this, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. What Jesus is saying here is go. Don't stay here. Go into every nation and make disciples. And what does that look like? Here's how I want you to do that. He outlines it. Here's what it looks like to make disciples. I want you to baptize people. I want you to baptizo. And then I want you to immerse them and I want you to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded that I've commanded you and I've told you. And we have to get this. As Christians, we need to understand this. This is important. Is that being a Christian is about being a disciple. It's about obeying and living like Jesus did. And to get us moving in that direction of being a disciple, he tells us to be baptized. Here is what baptism is all about. And this is our big idea. If you're taking notes, write this down. Baptism is our first step to obedience in following Christ. Baptism is our first step as Christians of obedience and following Jesus Christ. Obedience is like a muscle, okay? It grows and it gets stronger over time. It only happens as we make the choice to be obedient that we become stronger in our ability to do it. Becoming a disciple is not signing up for a new religion. So maybe, you know, you said, I want to be a Christian, but it was never a heart thing. In order to be a disciple of Jesus, that means to obey the one that we're following, and that's Jesus Christ. Becoming a disciple is really about a total reorientation of your life. Baptism is an outward statement of that choice in your life. And here's the progression that we see in Jesus' life. First, Jesus modeled it. And this happens in everything. 
Jesus would, was baptized in the, in the river, and then he says, now you go and be baptized. Anytime Jesus would say something to anybody about how they should live their life, he was modeling it first. Jesus modeled it first, then Jesus commanded it. And so the disciples did. And here's some interesting things. After Jesus left, they took the marching orders and they ran with it. And we see two things of the practice of baptism that we see in the New Testament. The first thing is this. Baptism was always post-decision. Always post-decision. There is not a single case of where someone is baptized and then they get saved. That just doesn't happen. That's not what happened in Scripture. In fact, there are actually 27 instances of baptism in the New Testament, and none of them happened before salvation took place. And this is important because many of you may have come from traditions where you were baptized at a young age. Or maybe we're baptized in order to join a church. Some, some churches maybe require that. Or your parents made the choice for you when you were a baby. And if that's the case, the biblical example is for you to be baptized now, next Sunday, as a believer. Now, what I'm saying is, and I mentioned this last week, this does not mean in any way that we're disrespecting the experience that you had as a child. It was beautiful. And your actions that you're going to take as a decision to be a disciple of Jesus can actually act as a fulfillment to what your parents or whoever baptized you as a baby had hopes for you one day. Because the concept, similar to what we did today with our baby dedication, is we're saying we believe as a child, we're presenting you before the Lord and saying, you are now God's. And it's our hope as a parent that we're going to raise you, we're going to do the best that we can, that one day you will grow up and you will choose for yourself to follow Jesus. And so then we come full circle, you know, like that you would one day grow up and be a disciple of Jesus. And we don't want to disrespect what happened as a child. We actually want to honor that. We want to bring it full circle. And so we see in Scripture that every time baptism took place, it was after as a declaration of a decision that was made. And so we want to be obedient to that. The second thing we see is that baptism was most of the time spontaneous and immediate. Let me show you a few things. Acts chapter 2, the very first church service ever. 3,000 people were saved in Acts chapter 2. And verse 41 says they were baptized immediately and on the spot. Acts chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. People believed Philip's message, and what happened to them? They were baptized on the spot. Acts chapter 8, verses 35 and 38. There was an Ethiopian eunuch. How many of you are glad we don't have eunuchs anymore? I'm glad about that. He believed and was baptized on the spot. Acts chapter 9, verse 18, Paul was in jail and an amazing miracle took place where they were released by the power of God. They were, their chains fell off and the, the jailer was going to kill himself. And in that moment, Paul says, no, 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 we're still here, don't worry. They preached the gospel to the jailer. He believed and his entire family were baptized that same night. Acts chapter 16, verses 32 and 33, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 9, sorry, I flipped them. 16 was where was the jailer. Acts chapter 9 was where that man, Paul, who was a murderer of Christians, found Jesus on the road to Damascus, and that night he was baptized as well. And what we see is that so often in Scripture, baptism takes place, and then immediately as a response of obedience of saying, I am, I am now giving my life to Jesus, they took a step of obedience and were baptized immediately. And here's the reason I'm bringing this up. Because in the course of my ministry as a pastor, I have heard people say, hey, I'll be baptized next time or I'll do it later, or I'm not really ready to be baptized yet. I'm not sure if, I, if I'm ready for that step. But baptism is not about being ready. And it's not about being perfect or, or, you know, or any of that. It's actually a step of faith. Baptism is a step of obedience. It's training to be obedient. And at the very beginning of your faith, or maybe there's some in the room who have been Christians for a long time, but never took the step of obedience to be baptized as a believer. 
If that's the case, we're trying to learn and to listen and to be obedient to Jesus. And when Jesus, and this is, this is important to understand, when Jesus would invite people to follow him or to be a disciple, he would say, come, follow me. We see it all the time, right? He would say, Matthew, and he said, follow me. And what Jesus was saying was so simple. He was saying, look at my life, study my life, and then replicate my life. That's what a disciple is. Look at my life, study my life, replicate my life. And baptism is the first step of obedience in following Jesus Christ. What is the purpose of baptism? It is a public declaration of my commitment to Jesus Christ. Just like it was with John the Baptist, these guys would say, I believe your message, and I'm going to now take a step of faith in obedience to declare to the world that I had that commitment. But you might ask the question, isn't my decision in my heart enough? Isn't it enough for me to know in my heart that I believe in Jesus and that he has saved my soul? Well, let me ask you this question. I'm married to my wife, Heather, and if I said to her, honey, I love you and I'm married and I'm just so happy that I'm your husband, but when we're out in public, I really don't want anybody to know I'm married to you. You know, like if I said, I'm going to take my wedding ring off and I'm going to kind of put it in my pocket and while we're out hanging around, I'm going to kind of just sort of, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll talk to you and stuff, you know, but maybe in whispering when people aren't looking. I mean, like, I don't think that would go over very well. I think she would be angry. I think she'd be frustrated. She'd say, no, 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 you're going to be my husband in public just like you are at home, right? Well, think of baptism as the wedding band of Christianity, okay? What we're saying here is that, is that my relationship with Jesus is something so powerful and so strong that I believe that he, that he is, can transform my life that my life is different, that I'm going to publicly declare my allegiance to his message. And in public, I'm going to tell people. And when I'm baptized, when people look at it, you share it on your Facebook page and those pictures, look what I did this weekend. People are going to see and they're going to know who you belong to. They're going to know that you are married to Jesus Christ in your, in your faith. And your public declaration of commitment to follow Jesus is so important that he actually put it this way in Matthew chapter 10. Read this with me. Verses 32 and 33. You don't have to do it out loud. Just read along. It says, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, this is Jesus saying, everybody who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. This is crazy because it almost sounds like God saying, if you're ashamed enough or not, not, you're not willing to let people know that I'm that important in your life, that I, I'm going to have a hard time really being able to, to be able to share with my father, you know? And, and I don't know, there's a lot of theological stuff in there, and I'm not saying that, like, if you don't have a public declaration that you're not saying, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that Jesus makes it clear that we should stand up and say that we belong to him. And baptism is the way that he teaches us to do it. So we're going to give you guys an opportunity next week to stand up and to declare your faith and to go all in, to go public with your faith. And when you take that step of obedience, four things are going to happen. This is where we're going to wrap up our message here. Four things that are going to happen to you that happened to Jesus. Four blessings from baptism. Number one, heaven will open up over your life. Heaven will open over your life through obedience and alignment with Jesus. So if you decide, I'm going to take a public declaration, I'm going to take a stand, and I'm going to say, Jesus, I give you my life. What's going to happen is, is that his, his favor is going to rest on you. His blessing is going to rest on you. We've talked about this during the blessed life months ago. It's not just about money. 
It's about, it's about aligning ourselves with God's principles, with what he wants. When we're obedient to him, the Bible tells us that his favor and his blessing is commanded in our life. And that means that heaven will open over you. When you make the decision to say, I'm going to be baptized in obedience, the blessing of God will be on your life. That means in your circumstances, in your relationships, his favor will go before you. The second thing that will happen as a blessing from baptism is the Holy Spirit will be on your life. Just like Jesus, when he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended on him. The Bible tells us that the power of God will be in your life. You are saying, I'm obedient to you, Jesus, and now I ask that your spirit will guide me. The Holy Spirit is promised to give you insight and wisdom and discernment in your life when you are obedient to him through baptism. The third thing, blessing from baptism, is the Father's pleasure will be spoken over your life. See, here's the thing. Obedience does not in any way make God love you anymore. When my kids choose to obey me, I don't love my son Lincoln or my daughter Autumn any more or any less than I have before. The fact that they obeyed me doesn't make me go, oh man, I love you more today. And then when they disobey me, I'm like, well, your love meter went down a little bit. That's not how it works. But what it does do is it gives me an opportunity to speak my pleasure over them. When my children obey what I say and they do obey me without complaining or without grudgingly, which, you know, happens sometimes, um, you know, it gives me the opportunity to be able to tell them I'm proud of you. I love you. And that's the same thing that happens with us. When we are obedient in baptism, when we are obedient in anything that God has for our life, when we listen to what he wants for us, when we obey his commands in Scripture, it allows me to feel his pleasure in my life. It allows us to sense it. It allows us to know it. And here's something awesome that happens A moment of obedience squashes doubt about how God feels about us. Some of you feel like you're not really ever sure how God feels about you. The things that you've done in your life, the decisions that you have made in your life, things that you feel guilty or shameful about. And you're like, I'm not sure if God really ever can truly love me or or maybe if if maybe there's just, I'm sort of a second tier citizen. That's not true. The Bible tells us so clearly that when we are obedient to him through baptism, when we are obedient to him in our life and all the decisions that we make, that we can know how he is proud of us. That he speaks that into our life. The Father speaks just like it did to Jesus. The heavens opened up and said, this is my son who I am pleased with. Listen to him. And in a way, he does the same thing to us. He speaks through his Holy Spirit and affirms that we are loved he speaks to us and lets us know that, we, that he cares about us, that he's not ashamed of us, that he sent his son Jesus to forgive us, and that we can move forward in wholeness and relationships, that our lives don't have to be empty, but that they can be whole and be restored. We can know that God in heaven loves us and forgives us. The Father's pleasure will be spoken of your life. And lastly, the four blessings of baptism. Heaven will open over your life. The Holy Spirit will be on your life. The Father's pleasure will be spoken over your life. And number four, lastly, a new chapter will begin in your life. You see, Jesus' baptism in many ways was the end of one chapter and the beginning of another for him. Baptism buries the sin of our past. Similar to, like I mentioned, that word baptizo talks about drowning. It talks about shipwrecks. This is the imagery that that the, the Greek people created with that word. And so baptism is supposed to mean when we go under the water, what we're saying is we're, 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 we're leaving behind our old self. And when we come out of the water, it symbolizes a new life, a new beginning. And some of you, 
have never taken that step. You said, I believe in you, Jesus, you know, in our service or maybe in another place. And you said that. You said, and maybe in your heart, you said, I believe that you died, Jesus, and you rose again and that you are Lord and you've forgiven me. But there is something about the act of being obedient and being baptized in water. It just, it does something. And I'm believing, I'm believing that there is a new chapter available for some of you in this room. I'm believing that there are things, and this is, you know, so hear what I'm saying. Track with me here. There's nothing, it's not that the water itself is holy. It's not that the act itself is special. It's the obedience that unlocks everything. You could do it in a river. You could do it in a pool. You could do it in anything. It doesn't matter. The obedience of the heart is what unlocks God's blessing in your life. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.